Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Let's read it together, shall we? Mark 16, 15, the Word of God says, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's pray. Lord, help us tonight as we talk about this vital subject. Uh, We talk about a lot here, but there's a reason for that. That's because it's important. I pray tonight that you'd help give us confidence in the area of evangelism, soul winning. Uh, Lord, this world needs you uh, more than ever. Uh, As it's spiraling out of control and every force uh, on the planet, physical, metaphysical, is seeming to pull people away from you. We know that you're still in the soul-saving business and that you will still save anybody who believes and that you've called us to reach the world with the gospel. We pray that you'd give us confidence and use this message tonight to teach us truths that will make us more effective soul winners. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So tonight I want to preach a message entitled Confidence in Soul Winning. You say, preacher, don't you know the world's in a mess? Yes, I know. And that's why we need to keep focused on the goal. Uh, You know, we need to be serious about getting the gospel out, even when the world's struggling. Matter of fact, especially when the world's struggling. With all the uncertainty in the world, it makes people more interested in uh, the things that are not physical. They're concerned about the future. They're realizing there's a lot of things outside of their control. And the Lord can use these circumstances to give people a place in their heart and begin to agitate them and convict them so they'll see their need of the Savior. And so we need to be busy about this matter of personal soul winning and evangelism. And God's given us the responsibility of reaching the world with the gospel. I think we would all agree that. With that, what a commission and what a stewardship. Yet the average Christian rarely speaks a word of Christ to sinners. Think about that. The average Christian rarely speaks a word of Christ to sinners. And this sad fact states more about the state of our nation, the condition of our churches, than just about anything else. If God's people are not going after sinners, they have no hope of salvation. Listen, the Mason Lodge isn't going to get them to heaven. And all the charities aren't going to get them to heaven. And all the wonderful causes in the world aren't going to get them to heaven. There's one thing that gets them to heaven, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one place that's the pillar and ground of truth, and that is the local church house. There's one people that have the cure to the terrible virus called sin. It has a 100% death rate, and the only cure is found in Jesus Christ. I ask you a question tonight, and I ask me a question. Are you a confident soul winner? Are you a confident soul winner? I didn't say, are you the best soul winner? If you think that, you probably got a pride problem. I didn't ask if you soul win enough, because most of us don't. The question tonight is, do I have confidence in talking to people about their soul? Do I have confidence in leading people to Christ? And you and I can't make anybody get saved. That's not our job. That's God's job. But our job is to be the messenger. Do I have confidence in relaying the message of salvation to people who desperately need it? You know, you can be a confident soul winner. Let me ask you a question. 
If you were the only hope of salvation for the people in your life, what would be their chances of going to heaven? If you were the only hope of salvation for the people in your life, what would be their chances of going to heaven? The truth is, we are the best chance our loved ones have of going to heaven. You each know people that wouldn't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. And I know people that wouldn't listen to you, but they'll listen to me. And we like to believe that it's not our responsibility. We like to believe that somehow somebody else will get the job done. But I ask the question again. If you were the only hope of salvation for the people in your life, what would be their chances of going to heaven? And tonight I submit that each Christian should work to be skillful in the word for the salvation of souls. Think about all the things in the world you have confidence in. Maybe you're good with your hands and you can shape pieces of wood and you can fix things. Maybe you're good with mechanics and you can change a tire and you can pop open a hood and know what everything is and you can get your your arms elbow deep in the grease and fix things. Maybe you're good on the computer. Maybe you're good in a factory. Maybe you're, you have a lot of knowledge in one area of life or another. But Christian friend, if you're going to be confident in anything in this life, make it the glorious work of bringing sinners to Christ. How can I be confident changing a tire, but I don't know how to wield the gospel? And so the message tonight is meant to increase our confidence in soul winning. And hopefully, God will give us greater confidence. Let me give you seven ways to have confidence in soul winning tonight. Number one, confidence in the precept of soul winning. You want to have better confidence in soul winning? How do we do that? Confidence in the precept of soul winning. A precept is a rule or a commandment meant to regulate thought or action. So a precept is more than a law. It's a a law that's meant to regulate action. So some laws just tell you what not to do. A precept tells you what to do. And so uh, a precept of soul winning. The Great Commission is a precept. It's a commandment. It's not just a good idea. God didn't call it the Great Suggestion. He called it the Great Commission. And so uh, spreading the gospel could, should consume our thoughts. How much did you think about people getting saved this week? And when I, when I preach like this, I, I'm condemning myself. You know, we get so caught up in the things of this world. We've got to pay the bills and balance the checkbook and go to work and, and get ready to mow the lawn and clean the house and cook the meals and go shopping and all of that stuff. I was in Shaw's yesterday. It was an absolute madhouse with everybody trying to get everything for the apocalypse. The lady in front of me got $441 of groceries at Shaw's. She had two carts piled to the hilt, like five gallons of milk, 100 rolls of toilet paper. I mean, just all kinds of stuff in there. And I'm just trying to get a little bit of food, amen? We got a lot to take care of, but how much? You say, well, I'm not a good soul winner. But are you not a good soul winner because it, you never think about it? Do you not win people to Christ because it's just not a priority? And so when we have confidence in the precept of soul winning, where I'm willing to say, 
I, I believe in the commandment. I am confident that God gave us a commandment to go soul winning. And soul winning is not just for the preacher. It's for every Christian. See, each living soul is destined for hellfire without Christ. Everyone we know is either saved or lost. Every stranger we meet will live forever in heaven or die forever in hell. Those facts are worth some thought. To go through life without concern for the soul of others is an indictment of our spiritual condition and a conviction against the condition of our churches. How could a church go week after week without preaching the gospel? How could a preacher go month after month without teaching the congregation that it's our responsibility to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature? And yet it happens all over. Good intentions and sincere hopes don't save the lost. We must open our mouths to speak the gospel. You know, no one gets saved without believing in Christ. No one can believe in a Savior they don't know. And they can't hear without a preacher. So the God who knew all that says, I'm going to make all of you my ambassadors. I'm going to make all of you my witnesses. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God says here, you know why people don't preach? Because they're not sent. So you know what Jesus did? He sent everybody. But wait a minute, people still don't preach. You know why? Because of sin. I submit to you tonight that it is a sin for a Christian to go through life and not share the gospel. Matter of fact, John R. Rice had an old sermon he used to call the sevenfold sin of not winning souls. Would it be a sin if you had the cure to cancer and never shared it? Would it be a sin if you had the cure for all the ills of the world and you kept it to yourself? And yet we have the cure for the sin condition. And yet we hoard it and keep it to ourselves. The Great Commission is not only for preachers, but every saved person is an ambassador of God to the lost world. I've got a lot of verses here, but you folks know these verses well. An apple contains the seeds for what? More apples. Oranges contain the seeds for what? More oranges. Christians contain the seed for what? More Christians. If you were to plant a peach tree, let me say amen for peach cobbler right there. Glory to God. If you were to plant a peach tree in your yard, and after about three years it still didn't have any fruit on it, You'd say, hey, something's wrong with that tree. How many of you have eaten persimmons? Anybody, some, of, some of you older folks eating persimmons. I grew up, my grandma had a persimmon tree in her yard. She used to make this persimmon pudding that was so decadent and so good that if you accidentally got some on your forehead while you were eating, 
your tongue would slap you trying to get at it. I mean, it was good stuff. But imagine having a tree that was supposed to produce fruit, and it didn't. Some of you will plant gardens here in a little bit. Some have already planted strawberries and stuff. What if you planted a nice couple tomato plants, and you were hoping to get some Maybe some big beefsteak tomatoes you could slice and put on a nice grilled hamburger. Or maybe you had some tomatoes you were going to make some nice homemade salsa or whatever. And man, you plant that and you keep going out every day and no fruit, no fruit, no fruit, no fruit. You'd say, something's wrong with that plant. And the truth is, a Christian who has the seeds for another Christian, if they're never getting that seed out... That's not normal. But we have conditioned ourselves to believe I'm just an apple tree that never gives any apples. I'm just a tomato plant, but don't expect any tomatoes. And what I'm encouraging you to do today is to kind of take stock, and I'm preaching it myself. I'm not the sole winner I ought to be. I'm not the, the, the person who witnesses like I ought to and like I want to. But we all have to be brutally honest with ourselves and say, what am I doing with the gospel? Because here's a, here's a fact. One of these days we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And at that moment, nobody's going to be saying, well, I wish pastor had preached less sermons on soul winning. All of us are going to say, I should have told more people. I should have passed out more tracts. I should have invited more people to church. I could have done more. So how do we have confidence in soul winning? We have confidence in the precept of soul winning. How do we have confidence in soul winning? Number two, confidence in the power of soul winning. Soul winning works. Do you know soul winning works? How do you know? Because you're sitting here. There's not a one of us here that didn't get saved because somebody told us the gospel, right? Now think about who told you. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. But the gospel only works one way. And that's by one saved person telling a sinner how to be saved. That's the only way it works. And I'm for doing everything we can. I mean, I'm for every billboard that has... Bible verses on it, I'm for every book and every track and every video and every uh, media post. I mean, I'm for it all. But my friend, when it boils down to it, the most effective way to get people saved is one saved person telling a sinner how to be saved. God could have had the angels give the gospel, but he didn't. God could have had the gospel written on every rock and in the bark of every tree. God could have had where the wind blows through the trees, the leaves sing, Jesus loves you, but he didn't. He gave that wonderful trust, that stewardship to us. We were entrusted with the gospel. But we need to have confidence in the power of soul winning. I was saved because someone shared the gospel with me. If you're saved, it's because someone shared the truth with you. Now, we tell individuals about Christ because we are commanded to do so. And back in our text, Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is that what it says? 
That means we must witness to our family, our co-workers, and strangers that cross our paths. We also knock on doors to share the gospel because we are commanded to do so. Look at Acts chapter 5. So we're talking about confidence in the power of soul winning. Some people say, well, soul winning doesn't work anymore. I think that's a lie from the devil. Of course soul winning still works. Just like the gospel still works. Just like the Bible still works. And preaching still works. Acts 5.42 And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So they were going to the temple. They were going to the synagogues. They were going to the marketplaces. As you read the book of Acts, they were going from house to house teaching the gospel. Look back at, at Acts chapter 20. In verse 20, the word of God says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. He said, listen, I've, I've been teaching you these things. I've tried to teach everybody. He said, for three years, I went throughout this whole area. He said, my, my hands are clean. I don't have the blood on my hands because I've been busy trying to get out the gospel. And he said, publicly and from house to house. See, we go door to door soul winning because that's God's method. It's not an outdated approach or a cultural preference. It wasn't that in this day and time, people were more accepting of folks coming over to their house than talking about Jesus. No, the truth is, if you understand the context in the book of Acts, the Christians were so despised that, that they had their own subculture. And yet they went into the world, into the world that despised them to give the gospel. Does that sound familiar? We go into a world that sometimes despises us. But we give them the gospel. Door-to-door soul winning is a biblical method. They went because of the urgency of the message. And that's the same reason we should go. You don't go door-to-door because you don't have any time. People say, well, I don't have time. I don't have time either. I don't have time to go soul winning. Who's got time for that? But we go because of the urgency. And we go to houses because that's where people are. We go to parks because that's where people are. We go to the quad because that's where people are. You go where the people are. If you're out fishing, you want to go where the fish are. There's an urgency in our message. The average Christian sits back waiting for someone to come to them and beg them to be saved. Has that ever happened to you? Not to most people. The average church just opens the doors and unlocks the doors and turns the lights on on the weekend and hopes somebody drives by and stumbles into church and kind of gets saved by accident. Can that happen? Absolutely. Can God draw people? Absolutely. But God's plan is for sinners to go. How do you know that? Because the first word of the Great Commission is go. Go who? Go ye. Go you. You go. That's the Great Commission. And so how do we have confidence in soul winning? We have confidence in the precept that this is the commandment of God. We have confidence in the power. And that is that, that soul winning is still God's method. Soul winning still works. Let me qualify that, though. We don't go simply because it works. We go because God commands it. Soul winning will bear obvious fruit at times. 
Sometimes you'll go soul winning and win people to Christ. That's always a blessing. But don't get discouraged by the lack of visible results. I believe God blesses obedience. There's many times where we'll go out and knock 50 doors, 100 doors, and nothing will happen. And yet that Sunday or the next week, a visitor or two or five will walk in the door and say, I just felt like I should come here. That's obedience because God is doing the work. You see, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that whether you plant or water, it's God that gives the increase. And so we are laboring together with God, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 tells us, for we are laborers together with God. So soul winning is partnering with God. Whether we plant or water or reap the harvest, it is our privilege to do God's work. There's been an age-old battle between confrontational soul winning and lifestyle evangelism. Confrontational soul winning is where you talk to someone face-to-face about their soul. You tell them of their need of Christ, and you invite them to accept Him. Lifestyle evangelism is you just kind of live a good life before them, and hopefully they'll come to you and ask about how to be saved. Or maybe you mow their lawn a hundred times before you ever mention the name of Jesus. There is no doubt that the Bible teaches we ought to strive to have a good testimony in our community. But the Bible also teaches very clearly that we have to go and speak the gospel. If you go out and live like a wicked heathen and talk about Jesus, you're probably not going to be effective. But if you go out and live like Jesus and never open your mouth, you're not going to be effective. It takes both. And this is the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel here at Curtis Corner Baptist Church. So we talked about the power of the gospel, the precept of the gospel, and then confidence in the partner of soul winning. Look at Acts chapter 1. So you want to have more confidence in soul winning? You want to be a a better soul winner. Let me. I just since I should say this uh, from the Lord. Perhaps there's someone here that you've just written that off. Like that's never going to be a part of my life. I'm never going to be a soul winner. It's just not my skill set. It's not my gift. I'm just. I'm not going to do it. And I know Christians where they've just kind of said, "I'll do. I'll. I'll clean. I'll. I'll mow. I'll teach. I'll attend. I'll give. But I will not talk to people about Jesus." And let me tell you that if, if that's where you're stuck then I encourage you today to examine that according to the Scripture. Examine to see if what I'm telling you is what God says. And if we all have a responsibility. A soul winning is not easy. I'm a very shy guy by nature, and I've, I've missed way too many opportunities. There's been way too many times where I've felt the Lord should, I should do something or talk to someone. I've talked myself out of it and beat myself up later. I'm not sitting up here and, and talking to you like the greatest soul winner that ever lived. I'm talking to you as one of you and saying, but we all have to be honest with ourselves and we're never going to become what God wants us to be if we just turn that part of our lives off. Others say, well, I'll talk to children, but I won't talk to adults. Or I'll talk to ladies, but I won't talk to men. Or I'll talk to adults, but I won't talk to teenagers. Stop stop turning off sections of the world. Everybody needs Jesus. And let's just try to get the gospel to everybody. So we have confidence in the partner of soul winning. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the who? 
Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the Holy Ghost is our soul winning partner. Evangelism is a supernatural task. It must be accomplished through the enemy or through the energy of the Holy Ghost. A winning a soul to Christ is not the same as winning a debate. You're not talking to someone trying to out-debate them. A winning a soul to Christ is not the same as selling some product. You're not trying to sell them. You're talking to them, and as you're speaking to the ears, the Holy Spirit is speaking to the depths of their heart, and only through His power can someone be saved and be born again. That's good news. That means you never have to go soul winning alone. Now, we recommend that if you're able to, when you go soul winning, you go with a partner. That's what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. And so it's a good idea to go two by two. It, it follows the model of Christ, it provides encouragement, it provides safety. But at the same time, you can't always have somebody with you when you witness. You might be at the store, and then God says, hey, go talk to those people. You might be taking a run, and God says, hey, go talk to those people. You might just be burdened like the Apostle Paul. He's in one city waiting for his crew to come, and the Bible says he couldn't stay. He just had to go and start preaching by himself because his heart was so moved within him. So it's good to have human help. But I'm thankful that you're never alone when speaking for Christ. Even if you're physically alone, the Holy Spirit is our soul winning partner. That gives us confidence when we go soul winning. You say, how can I knock up this door? Oh, it's not, it's not just you, it's you and God. Or if it's me and you, it's not just me and you, it's me, you and God. And so we have confidence in the partner. Next, we have confidence in the purpose of soul winning. Uh, what is the purpose of soul winning? Look at Jude chapter, 20, uh, Jude chapter 1. There is no Jude chapter 22. Jude chapter 1, verse 22. <clears throat> confidence in soul winning. We have confidence in the purpose. The purpose of soul winning is to win souls. Look at Jude 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So what's the purpose of soul winning? Let me ask you this. What's the purpose of a lifeguard? Save lives. Keep people from drowning. What's the purpose of a firefighter? Save lives. Fight fires. What's the purpose of a soul winner? Save souls. Win souls. If we had a firefighter here tonight, but he refused to answer the alarm and would never go fight a fire, what would you think of him? If we had a lifeguard that saw somebody drown and they said, I'm not jumping in that water. But yet there's Christians all over the world that say, that ain't my job. I'm not telling that person. Not my responsibility. No, we're, we have confidence in the purpose of soul winning. The purpose is to win souls. Every soul saved is one less tormented sinner and one more grateful child of God. Now, what this scripture tells us is the two ends of the spectrum of soul winning. 
and some have compassion. Some will be saved through a compassionate plea. Some will be saved because you, you tell them you love them and you're worried about them and you approach them in love and, and, and you're, you're trying to lead them with compassion. Some may respond to that. Others need to be saved with fear. Others need to be taught about hell. And they need to realize that they're one heartbeat away from hell and a, a eternal torment where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Some will get saved because of compassion. Most will get saved because of the fear of God and the fear of hell. But either way, people are saved. That's the purpose of soul winning. The end result's the same. A new name written in the book of life. But let's pivot for a minute. We know that the purpose of soul winning is to win souls. Does that mean if you don't win souls, you're a failure? Here's another thought. The purpose of soul winning is to warn souls. It's important you understand this. Because if you just get focused on the results alone, you get discouraged when no one gets saved. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 3. It can be discouraging when you go soul winning and nobody gets saved. Satan will whisper on your ear, uh, get on your shoulder and whisper in your ear, well, that was a waste of time. Nobody wants this. This doesn't work anymore. But we are successful in warning souls when we just go and do our job. You and I can't make anybody get saved, but we can make sure people get warned. Let me tell you this, if you warn enough people, you'll win people. If you don't warn enough people, you probably won't win people. In the Old Testament, walled cities would have people called watchmen. And they were trusted with the security of the city. The watchmen would keep watch for danger while others went about their day or slept at night. And the watchman was tasked with warning the city when danger came. If he neglected to do his job, he was guilty of the deaths for those he failed to warn. Matter of fact, the blood of the innocent was considered to be on his hands as if he killed them himself. That's where the statement came, you have blood on your hands. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn from his wickedness, turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. God came to Ezekiel and said, you're a watchman for their souls. It's your job to warn them. He told them already, they're not going to listen to you. He said in a previous chapter that their, their foreheads are like an adamant stone. They are so hard-hearted, Ezekiel, they're not going to listen to you, but I need you to warn them anyway. And every time we go out soul winning, we meet a lot of hard-hearted people, a lot of hard-headed people. That doesn't mean that we're a flop. That just means that we are doing the business of warning souls. And they need warned too. Some plant, some water, 
God gives the increase. So every time we go soul winning, the purpose is to win souls, but we're also going soul warning. God gave Ezekiel the same truth in Ezekiel chapter 33. I want you to listen to me very closely. Some Christians say, well, if that's true, then my job is only to warn souls. So occasionally when it's convenient, they'll tell somebody, they'll warn somebody, and then they'll say, well, I did my job. I think it's easy for us to deceive ourselves. As I said before, the purpose is to win souls with God's help. Amen. Don't get comfortable if you never win a soul. It it ought to bother us if we never win anybody. I mean, it ought to bother us. Do you want to go to heaven alone? Do you want to get to heaven and not have anybody there because of your influence? There's an old song that says, Must I go and empty-handed? My dear Redeemer meet, not one soul with which to greet Him. The Bible calls our converts in the New Testament our joy and our crown. And so while we can't get so discouraged and depressed because of the lack of results... We also have to hold ourselves accountable and go to God hungry and thirsty and say, God, I want to win a soul. God, I want to win souls. I want to be a soul winner. And if, if, if we get to the place where we're complacent and we're apathetic and it doesn't even matter to us anymore, then we've lost the heart of Christ. Pray every day, God, give me souls. God, help me to see people saved. We have confidence in soul winning. How do we do that? Confidence in the precept. Confidence in the purpose. Confidence in the partner. Number five, how do you have confidence? Confidence in the principles. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. One might say, preacher, I got enough things to worry about. Why are you putting this on me? You know, why, why are you giving me this burden? I, I've got enough things to worry about. I'm barely holding it together as it is. You know, if we learn to take care of God's business, God will help us with our business. We get in the yoke with Christ. Sometimes we're over here working and busy saying, God, why don't you help me? And, and Jesus is already in the yoke saying, why don't you come get in the yoke with me? And we get in the yoke with Christ, and then he's able to help us with everything else. But we talk about confidence in the principles of sowing. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 1 says, Who is a wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. So the, the thought here is that wisdom gives you confidence. It makes your face shine. It gives you boldness. And we all know what it means to have that confident stance, that confident look. And having the right knowledge gives you confidence. And here we're talking about confidence in the principles of soul winning. And so how much time have you spent trying to learn how to be a soul winner? How, how much Bible have you studied? How many sermons have you listened to? How many books about soul winning have you read? How many times have you been out soul winning? If you said, Pastor, take me out soul winning, man, we'd love to. But see, sometimes we say, well, I'm not good at that. But the truth is, we're not confident because we've never spent effort trying to become confident and trying to get good at it. 
Knowledge gives confidence. That fact's true in every area of life. The more you know about a task, the quicker and more effectively you can accomplish it. And soul winning's no different. I encourage you tonight, be a student of soul winning. Study the various messages, uh, the, the methods. Learn from the successful. Master the Roman's road. Learn how to turn conversations to the gospel. Discover the common objections and the scriptural answers. Understand how to draw the net. Uncover how to get converts to church and help them be baptized. The more you know about soul winning, the greater will be your confidence. What have you spent time learning lately? Well, there's this new lure out there and I'm, I'm, I'm working on my, my fishing game. That's fine. But what about your fishing for men game? Well, I'm learning about this truck and I'm, I'm fixing up this and I'm doing that and I'm learning how to do this and I'm watching YouTube videos about that and I'm watching tutorials about that. And Yet we spend no time trying to learn the work of God. And so we have confidence by learning the principles of soul winning. And then number six, confidence in the prayer of soul winning. Look at Colossians chapter 4. And verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Verse 3, with all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. This is the Apostle Paul asking people to pray for him for boldness. Do you know even the Apostle Paul had trouble being bold? Here's the guy that said, I want to talk to Caesar. I mean, he led people to Christ in Caesar's household. And yet we see his humanity here. He's writing to Christians saying, pray for me that I open my mouth. Pray for me I'm able to talk to the gospel like I should. Folks, there's no super Christians in this room. There's none of us that have it all together. We all need people to pray for us. Why not saying, hey, pray for me, I'll be a better soul winner. Pray for yourself. Lord, make me a better soul winner. More prayer equals increased confidence and effectiveness in the matter of evangelism. I spend time each day praying for the lost to be saved. Pray that God would make you an effective soul winner. Add it to your daily prayer list. Uh, schedule a time of prayer each week on the subject and and uh, t- take take some time and say, okay, 30 minutes each week on this day at this time, I'm just going to take time and ask God to, to help make me a better soul winner or, or help give me boldness. Uh, if possible, spend 15 minutes in concentrated prayer before scheduled soul winning times. All that's helpful. You say, what do I pray about? Well, you can pray for boldness. Pray for God to open doors. Pray for God to set divine appointments. Pray for God to give you wisdom. Uh, for understanding, for power, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, for guidance, for protection. There's a little prayer I pray called the Soul Winner's Prayer, and I pray it often, and it's this. Lord, give me the wisdom to know what to say, the love to know how to say it, and the power so that what I say makes a difference. That'll give you confidence. Confidence in the prayer of soul winning. Then let me say lastly, a confidence in the proficiency of soul winning. A soul winning is just one of those things where you have to just do it. You know how to get good at basketball? Do it. You'll never read a book and get good at basketball. You'll never read a book about how to throw a, a, a curveball and learn it until you just pick up a ball and start throwing. 
You never learn how to drive by going through driver's ed. That's why they make you drive first. See, so many things in life require you to actually do them and get good at them. Proficiency comes through practice. And soul winning is one of those things where you just have to do it. You know, the first word of the Great Commission is go. Soul winning is a task that requires action. You can only learn so much by studying. Mastery only comes through activity. I've heard people over the years say, but I'm just not good at it. I don't know how to talk to people. Here's a truth that someone taught me years ago, not about soul winning, but it's applicable in so many areas of life. They said, this is something that you have to be willing to be bad at before you'll ever be good at it. And that was a life-changing thought to me. They weren't even talking about spiritual things. But think about the spiritual applications. You have to be willing to be bad at it as you're learning to be good at it. Think about cooking. Think about anything in life. You have to be willing to be a bad soul winner before you can be a good soul winner. Here are some reasons that keep people from soul winning. They say, well, I'm not a people person. And I'll give you a couple rebuttals here. Lifeguards don't have to pass a personality test. They just need to be able to keep people from drowning. You know that every personality type can win people to Jesus? Shy, bold, introvert, extrovert, mean, happy, sad, depressed, suicidal, uh, serial killers. I mean, if you're going to murder someone, tell them about Jesus first. Okay, maybe not the last one. But you don't have to pass a personality test. Some people say, I'm shy. That's my excuse. Well, the Holy Spirit promised to give you boldness if you ask for it. Some people say, I don't know what to say. And I ask, how much effort have you put into learning? See, it's easy to say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, how much effort? How much time? How much energy? Well, I don't have energy for that. So the salvation of eternal souls of the people in your world isn't worth any time. See, the, the, the more we dig down into this, the more obvious it becomes that this is something we ought to be doing. In counseling, there's a, a method that's called the 5-Y method. I can't go soul winning. Why? Well, because I don't have time. Why? Well, because I work too much. Why? Because i got to pay bills. Why? Well, because my cable's this much, my thing's this much, and my... My four-wheeler's this much, and my, my third car's this much, and my... Why? Why do you have all those things? You see, the more you drill down on an, on an excuse, the more it reveals itself usually as just being more of an excuse than a reason. Some people say, I tried it and it didn't work. And to them I say, well, it took you months to learn how to walk. We don't quit worthwhile endeavors just because they're difficult. Some would say, I don't want to push people away from God. And to them I say, they're already going to hell. How much further away can you push them? There's not a hell number two or number three. 
They're already aliens from God. They're sinners. They're separated from God. Someone came to D.L. Moody one time and said, I don't like how pushy you are in winning souls and you're preaching. And Moody asked him, well, how do you do it? And the man said, well, I don't do it. And Moody responded, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. And it's easy, you know, a lot of times when people get critical about stuff, you dig into their lives and they're not doing it at all. They're armchair quarterbacking. Backseat drivers. Boy, don't you hate backseat drivers? Some would say that's not my spiritual gift. To the which we reply, soul winning isn't a gift. It's a commandment. The truth is, and this statement, this statement convicts, convicts me. Because I'm not the soul winner I want to be. I'm not the soul winner I ought to be. But Curtis Hudson said it about as simply as it can be said. He said, the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience. Now let me say this. We have a lot of people that go to our church that aren't soul winners. And you know what? I still love them. They're welcome here. I love them. I treat them like everybody else. Over the years, sometimes people said, well, I can't go to that church because they expect me to go soul winning and they expect me to live a perfect life. We have a lot of imperfect people around here, if you haven't noticed. Those are all excuses, too. What it usually means is I don't like being convicted. I don't like being reminded. But let me tell you, I love each one of you regardless of, of how you live, regardless of your ability in this area or prayer or anything else. I love each and every one of you. It's my privilege to be your pastor I'll be there for you I'll treat you like everybody else but I'll, I'll love you enough to tell you the truth and I'll say this if you're not trying to become a more confident soul winner you are robbing yourself you're cutting your own legs off You may be planning for retirement financially, but you're not planning for retirement in heaven. And may God help us all to be more confident soul winners. Let's pray. Lord, this world's in chaos. They need the gospel more than ever. And yet, uh, we find more a spiritual resistance to soul winning. We find more worldly resistance. And I pray that you would give us confidence. Give me confidence. Give me boldness. Help me to lead in this matter. Help me to set a good example for our church in this matter of, of soul winning. And Lord, wherever each one of us are, perhaps there are people in this room that witness to a bunch of people this week. They pass out tracts every week. They talk to people about Jesus all the time. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people that never say a word. And Lord, I just pray that wherever each one of us are, you'll help us all to take steps towards being a more confident soul winner today and this week. Thank you for the burden of it. Thank you for the reminder now, even though it's uncomfortable, I'd rather be reminded now than be shocked later. I'm here because someone told me 
We're all here because someone told us. Open our mouths, fill it with thy word. Give us boldness and confidence. May we see a lot of people saved in coming days because we just chose to obey you. And Lord, whether we see results or not, help us to obey you because it's right. And it's because you commanded it and you're worthy of it. Heads about eyes are closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart, it's a good idea to make a decision. It's uncomfortable to be burdened with the souls of men. But yet, if you're not burdened, they have no hope. Only those that know the truth can share the truth. May we all get in the yoke with Christ and ask Him for help and strength. We've got family and friends and co-workers and neighbors and strangers and so many people in our lives that need Christ. Help us to make sure we don't have bloody hands. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar is open.